You're listening to a podcast of the Sunday morning message from Grace Christian Church in the city of Cork on the beautiful south coast of Ireland. We hope and pray that it will be a blessing to you. I've been looking at a passage of scripture in Matthew chapter 9, which is also recorded in Mark's Gospel chapter 2 and Luke's Gospel chapter 5. The three synoptic gospels of the New Testament record many of the same stories with slightly different colours and details filled in and sometimes left out in the various stories. I'm on part three of this passage in Matthew's Gospel chapter 9 because the three come together and make a one complete story. I want to say good morning to Cafe Church. Good morning, guys. Hope you're having a good morning this morning. Hope the worship went well. It looked like you had a fantastic team down there, so I hope it went well this morning. Um, I've been doing a series of three, and I began a couple of weeks ago by, with a message called Easier Said Than Done, and in it we were looking about how Jesus revealed himself as both the forgiver and the healer by healing a man who was paralyzed, but by also forgiving his sins. And we saw in that same passage about how people didn't react very well to how, what Jesus was doing in claiming to be somebody who had the authority to forgive, and so he proved that he had the authority to forgive. Would you click on the pro presenter page for me, please, if you wouldn't mind? Thanks, Diana. Excellent. Girl Margaret. Today we're going to be looking at this one. I've called it the older than you. The thing about when Jesus was going around, last week I was looking at how Matthew the tax collector was called by Jesus to follow Jesus. And he was a notorious sinner. And he invited Jesus to his home. And when he invited Jesus to his home, in the process of inviting him to his home, he ended up inviting lots of other people that wouldn't be seen to be hanging on with religious people and they weren't very happy about it and they were raising an eyebrow at the kind of people that Jesus was hanging around with. You know, in the New Living Translation, it's translated as, why does your teacher hang around with such scumbags? Why does he hang around with such scum? They were the lowest of lives. They were people who were excluded religiously and socially very, very often for most of the life of that time. In, in Jewish circles. Well, today I want to finish off the story because what we're going to come to next, the word then is the first word of the next passage, meaning that the, all of these events were contiguous to one another. All of these events that you see were contiguous to one another. The reason I wanted to call this morning the older than you is because finally in the person of Jesus, there was a challenge to the way that things had always been done. The way that had been handed down from generation to generation was finally now being challenged as to whether this was the right way to live or the wrong way to live. It follows on from the story of Jesus being at a feast, at a party, having dinner in the house of a notorious sinner and with a bunch of other notorious sinners. And that's a really important point to remember. Because up to this point, the Pharisees and those who were suspicious of Jesus were questioning his lifestyle, were questioning his authority, were, co- were questioning his practices, were questioning his words. They really were unsure about Jesus. And this is now another step or another question in that assurance. I want to look at Matthew's Gospel, chapter 9, just four verses. Please do work me. Will you work for me? We'll try again. Matthew's Gospel, it worked. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 9, just four verses, verses 14 to 17. I'm going to pick up the story exactly as it's read. May God bless his word as we read it this morning. Would anyone say? And as we read it, may we have open hearts, open ears, and open souls to what God would say to us today. Let's pick it up. No, this isn't going to work for me. This is very, very, very annoying. Thank you, Diana. Will you give us the first one? Thank you. Then the disciples of John the Baptist came to Jesus and asked him, Why don't your disciples fast like we 
and the Pharisees do? Jesus replied, do wedding guests mourn while celebrating with the groom? Of course not. But someday the groom will be taken away from them and then they will fast. Can we get the next slide, please, Diana? Do you know, if you keep an eye on me, if I give you the old, or the thumbs up, or, you know, you might just move it on to the next one. Thank you. Besides, who would patch old clothing with new cloth? For the new patch would shrink and rip away from the old cloth, leaving an even bigger tear than before. And finally, is there one more verse in that? No one puts new wine into old wineskins, for the old skins would burst from the pressure, spilling the wine and ruining the skins. New wine is stored in new wineskins, so that both are preserved. Now, when we look at these passages, they can seem very cryptic. Now, we're all very familiar with them. If you've ever read the Gospels, you will have read these passages several times. And many of you will probably already know what it is, where it is that I'm going on it this morning. But Jesus uses deliberately cryptic language and the language is cryptic though very clearly understood by the people around him what he was intending or what he was meaning but to us the language can be a bit cryptic and in the context we need to understand what the point he was making let's take it from the very start if we can let's take the next verse see so in you go thanks Diana the disciples of John the Baptist came and asked him why don't your disciples fast like we and the Pharisees do now, it's an interesting question, and it comes from an interesting group of people. It's very curious that when you read this story, that people who have a problem with Jesus bring the question to the disciples, and the people who have a problem with the disciples bring the question to Jesus. How rarely it is that we bring the problem to where the problem needs to be brought. Anyway, they asked this question, the disciples of John the Baptist. Now, if you know the stories of the gospel, John the Baptist was one of the real good guys. He came preach, preaching the kingdom of God and a, preaching a baptism of repentance. He was one of the good guys. Jesus said that nobody born amongst men was quite as good as John the Baptist. John the Baptist was the bomb. He was the guy. And John the Baptist had disciples around him, and they were watching what was going on with Jesus. Now, if you flash forward further into the story, into Matthew's Gospel, chapter 11, you will read that John the Baptist, who at this stage was in prison, sent a message to Jesus and said, Look, I hope you don't mind my asking this. This is my translation of it. Are you the one we were, that was coming, or should we expect someone else? So John the Baptist, who in this instance is described also as the friend of the bridegroom or the best man, is becoming unsure about who Jesus is. You see, everybody was willing to kind of put up with the kind of the healing and the casting out of demons. We go, well, that's okay. That's just fine. But what about when he starts hanging around with tax collectors and he starts eating with sinners they become very uncomfortable with Jesus because they had a certain idea of what this messianic type of person would be. They had a certain idea of what, how a rabbi should behave. And of course, they come to him and they say, why don't your disciples fast like the, like the, like the disciples of John the Baptist? Why aren't you doing what we do? Because what we do is the right way to do it. Isn't it strange that when we do something, after a while, we begin to wonder why other people aren't doing it? I think in all of us, there is the desire, desire for conformity. We want people to do things the way that we do them. And sometimes we cannot conceive of why it is that other people don't do the things that we do and why we don't behave in the manner that they do. I think in some ways, Christians are probably more prone to this than other people because we have a background and a history of religious activity. 
And so we'd say, well, you know, I think I'm going to fast this week. Does anybody want to join me? There's, a, there's, a, there's always the story told about the people who start an early morning Bible study or an early morning prayer meeting. And they say, all the men of this church are going to get up every morning at six o'clock and meet and pray for the lost. And everybody says, yes, that's brilliant. And so they meet for the first week every morning at six o'clock and they storm heaven. And then for the second week, they start meeting at six o'clock and the meetings aren't as vibrant and as strong. And, 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 you know, they're all getting just a little bit tired and they're going, you know, we still need to pray for the lost. And then you're going, why, why doesn't Barry, not Barry Condon, just for the record, why doesn't Barry, why doesn't Barry come to this meeting? Where, where, where's Joseph? Why doesn't Joseph come to the six o'clock men's prayer meeting? What's the matter with him? And then it goes on for about a week. And about a week later, they're getting even more tired. And now they've decided that they need to add fasting to their prayer. So now they're hungry and they're tired. And they're beginning to wonder why it is that Michael O'Donovan doesn't come along to the 6 o'clock in the morning prayer meeting. And they begin to look around going, well, the real Christians in this church are fasting and praying. But the not so real Christians, well, we won't take them very seriously. Now, you might be going, ah, come on, seriously, I've been around Christian circles for too long, and I know what people are like. I know what I'm like. That I'm fasting and praying, so why aren't you fasting and praying? And the disciples come to, come to Jesus, or John's disciples say, hey, come here, we're fasting. Like, I mean, we're going without. We are the real deal. How come your disciples aren't doing what we're doing? And Jesus gives them their response. What a fantastic response he gives them. Do wedding guests mourn while celebrating with the groom? Of course not. But someday the groom will be taken away from them and then they will fast. John, in John's gospel, John the Baptist in John's gospel describes himself as the best man. He's the friend of the bridegroom. And Jesus uses that very same illustration. says to them, do the friends of the bridegroom fast while they're at the wedding? Do they mourn while they're at the wedding? And I'll say, can you imagine going to a wedding and you sit down at the wedding and the guy comes around and says, hello, uh, what would you like for the dinner? And you say, is, is, what are the options? Is beef or salmon? So, do, you know, do you know the way people go around and they're kind of really in a hurry? You know, you go, you know, you go to a wedding, there's like a couple of hundred guests and the people are writing down what you want and they're not very nice very often. They say, what do you want? Beef or salmon? Beef or salmon? Beef or salmon? What do you want? Beef or salmon? And they kind of move around the, move around the room really quickly. So they come to you and say, would you like beef or salmon? And you say, no, I'm fasting today. Yeah, but it's a wedding, we're having dinner. No, no, I feel today is an appropriate day to fast and put to death the flesh. You'd go, that is ridiculous. Or if you're at a wedding, no, I, I do a lot of weddings and, and very often at a wedding, they'll do something like light a memorial candle. Like they'll light a memorial candle maybe to a parent or a brother or a sister or a relative or friend who's recently passed away. And when they light the memorial candle, we normally take about 30 seconds or so on and so forth. And I always quote the passage from Ecclesiastes chapter 3. There is a time to mourn and there's a time to laugh. There's a time to, I'm after getting it mixed up. There's a time to weep and a time to laugh. There's a time to mourn and a time to dance. I always quote and I say, today is a wedding, so today is the day for dancing and laughing. And that's what you do at a wedding. And that's what you do when the groom is with you. That's what you do when Jesus is around. You laugh and you dance. 
That's what you're supposed to do. And these people that Jesus was at, when he was having dinner with all these far, all of these um, un, untouchable sinners, at these tax collectors and weirdos and strangers, he's having dinner with all them, and they're all laughing at the dinner. At the dinner. <laughs> I'll bet you this, the dinners that Jesus went to, the crack was mighty. Mark my words, it was mighty because they were with the groom. You know that in the New Testament, the correct and proper order was that the most important person at the wedding was the groom. Amen. You see, we all think now it's the bride. Here comes the bride, all dressed in white. And we all think the bride. And we talk about bridezilla. You talk about the really hard brides who are hard to please. I'm sure nobody in this room was ever like that. But we think the bride is the most important thing. But i got to tell you, my Bible says the man is the most important. Amen. The groom was the most important person at a New Testament wedding. He was the most important person. Whether you like it or not. And I don't care if you don't like it. It's the Bible. Have an argument with it. It's a culture. Have an argument with it. But this is what it says. And Jesus said, this wedding better get started because the groom is here. And that's what all the feasting was about. And that's why there was no fasting, because they were at the wedding. Not only that, but Jesus had talked about fasting. If you read back in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6, he said, When you fast, don't go around with a long face in you. I'm fasting today. I want to go hungry for the kingdom of God. Imagine meeting someone, right? And they say, and you say, would you like to become a Christian? Said, yes, what would you? Well, you can fast every Friday. Who would want to join a religion that offers you fasting every Friday? I wouldn't. There was a time when I was a young Christian. Um, actually, no, I wasn't that young a Christian, but it was back in the mid-90s. So that I, 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 I had a different job once. I wasn't born a pastor. Anyway, I had a different job once. and I used to work with a glazing company. And I, every Monday, my wife and I, Elma, would fast. We would fast religiously. Every Monday, how holy we were back in those days. And every Monday, I would go in starving. But I knew what the Bible said. See, Jesus said, keep your fasting secret. He said, wash your face, oil your hair, look well. Don't be going on with a big long morning face. I'm fasting today. So I would go in and I'd put on this macchiato thing. And when the guys would have lunch or they'd have their, 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 their tea at 10 o'clock, I would kind of find something else to be doing. I would go off and I'd be busy. Or when lunch came, I would disappear. So I just need to go uptown to get something. And I'd go uptown and disappear and, and, and not be visible. So I was doing this for a few months. So maybe I was doing it for about nine months, every Monday, fasting every Monday. And then one of these Mondays, we get a phone call to go and repair a broken window in the best chipper in Cork. And the culture and the custom was when you repair the window in a chipper, you got a bag of chips. Now, I like chips, lads. I, and these are Dino's and Bishopstone. Oh, I love Dino's and Bishopstone. Amen. Let's close in prayer. We'll be feasting. A, so we go out and I drive up in the van with the colleague I'm working with and we get out of the van and the smell of chips just hits me. And my mouth begins to water. I'm going, oh no, no, I don't want to be here, Lord. And I'm starving, all right? I've been starving myself since the night before because I'm a holy Christian. And I'm starving. And next thing, we repair the window and at the end, the guy behind the counter says, what will you have yourself, lads? So the guy with me says, I'll have a chicken supper. No, chicken supper. Chips and peas and chicken. And I'll have a can of Coke, he says. <laughs> so he said, I'm all about yourself. Because that's the way you have to say it in a chipper in Cork. You don't say, and next you say, and yourself. And he said, and yourself. And I said, no, no, I'm fine. 
No, I, 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 I'm, I'm fine. I, I'm okay. And next thing, the guy working with me, who didn't know I was fasting or so I thought, said, don't mind him, he's fasting, it's a Monday. <laughs> I never told Barry O'Donoghue that I was fasting on a Monday. Oh, my enemy's fasting, there's a Monday. And he sits in front of me and he eats his chips. But it was good for my soul. There is an appropriate time to fast. And if you're fasting, it is good to fast. Will anyone say But don't be telling us all about it. Keep it to yourself. That's what Jesus said. If you want to fast, fast. But here's the point he's making. Would do the wedding guests mourn? Can you imagine the disciples going with long faces on them all the time fasting? Jesus was in their company. He was in their company. What on earth would they be doing not fasting with him? They should be feasting with him. But he does prophetically say, but someday the groom will be taken away from them. And then they will fast. And he goes on to make this very important point. Now, this is really important. The important point that he's making, well, when we look at the, what the scripture says, I, let's give this one more try to see if it'll work. Will it work? Was that me or you, Diana? I don't know. I think it was you. Yes, thank you, Diana. You're very good. Jesus then went on to say, besides, who would patch old clothing with new cloth? For the new patch would shrink and rip away from the old cloth and leave an even bigger tear than before. So he goes from stating the obvious into this kind of cryptic language. Who on earth would patch old clothing with new cloth? No, nobody patches clothing anymore, do they? We stick it into the yellow bag, leave it outside the door, and it's collected by some person in a van and flown to Wonderland or something. We don't know where it disappears to. But when I was growing up, we patched clothes all the time. And actually, in fact, to have patched jeans was a sign of coolness. Now, I remember when I was about 16, I bought a pair of jeans that were pre-ripped. You know those, everybody's going around in ripped jeans? Like, what is it? Like, once upon a time when you wore ripped jeans, you were poor. Now when you wear ripped jeans, you're rich. I don't understand. It's, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Humanity, who can figure it out? So, so I bought this pair of jeans that were ripped and I came home. I thought I was cool, but my father was from a different generation. And he looked at me and he said, what are you wearing? And I said, are these jeans, dad? These are, yeah. What happened to the knees in them? He says. So I said, no, they're ripped. Like it's, it's, it's called designer rips. Designer rips. I'll tell you, he says, if I catch you wearing them, there won't be any designer rips in them again. People used to patch things all the time. I had jeans to patch. You know, when I grew up, patches were for what happened when you went, uh-oh. That's what patches were for. But nobody does that anymore. And Jesus is saying, why on earth would you patch an old piece of clothing with a new piece of cloth? The old and the new, they're just not going to work together. And the problem I think that for us as, 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 as spiritual people is that sometimes, and you've got to remember I'm talking about what was old in your life and what's new in your life, is that sometimes we can be a bit like that. We can try and think of Christianity as some way of patching our lives up. But patching your life up is not what Jesus came to do. He hasn't come to stick a patch over your problems. He hasn't come to pull those seams together to make it all just work together. He hasn't come to fix a bit of your life. We are not supposed to be patched up people. We are supposed to be new people. That's what we're supposed to be, new people. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation and has had a fine big patch sewn onto his backside. Isn't that what the Bible says? No, that's not what the Bible says, in case you're listening on the internet. Um, uh, it says, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. He's not just patched up. And he hasn't come just to patch up your job 
or patch up your relationship with your dad. He hasn't come to patch up things between you and your wife or you and your children. He hasn't come to patch things up at all. He's come to make them new. And that's what these guys didn't get. You've got to remember the disciples of John were, the disciples of John the Baptist were a kind of a halfway house between the Pharisees, between the, the Pharisaical Old Testament rabbinic teaching system and the system that Jesus was bringing in, which was the, li- which was the new life that he was bringing in. It was the new life and the old were coming into, uh, coming into clash with one another. And they didn't get that. They didn't understand that, oh, the old system is over with. And Jesus said, you can't put the, the new stuff in with the old stuff. It's not going to work. Because we can get people to, we can, we can have people obeying rules. Will you put on the next slide for me, please, Dan, the next verse. He goes on to say this. He says this, and he says, And no one puts new wine into old wineskins for... The old skins would burst with the pressure, spilling the new wine and ruining the skins. The new wine is stored in new wine skins, so both are preserved. And the, the, the principle is basically the same. You don't put old wa- or new wine into old wine skins. Now, I can explain to you what it meant in the Old Testament time very simply. They used to store things in animal skins. That's what a wine skin was. Normally, it was actually made from like an entire sheep or an entire goat. The skin of it turned inside out, and then they would put the wine in it. And when the wine expanded, the skin was fresh and would expand with it. But Jesus is saying here, you can't put new wine into what is rigid and stiff. You can't get halfway between the rabbinic system and what Jesus was declaring as the new life. You can't get some kind of halfway compromise deal that happens to so many of us when we become Christians. You see, when I became a Christian, I was a, I was a new Christian and, and I had new life and I was full of joy. And then I went to Bible school for a year and I got full of judgment and it was wonderful. Amen. And I came back and I knew how everybody should live, except the way that I should live. You see, when I was a young Christian, we were full of joy and, 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 and we, we, we lived and we just knew that Jesus was alive and we knew that we had new life in him. And then some people came along and decided to help us. Did everybody come along to help you in your faith? You really shouldn't be doing that anymore. Smoking, oh you'd be better off committing adultery than smoking, really. It's really bad for you. And people began to straighten things out and help you to straighten things out in your life. You see, the Bible school I went to in America was a really good Bible school, I have to say. Um, and there was a, a lot of the people in there, especially my dorm head, a guy called Bruce Case. He was a particularly good and gracious man. But there was a lot of freaks and kooks and nuts there as well. I mean, you have to take the allergy warnings, don't you? But... Um, so I went there, and there was a lot of people who were bringing just good old-time religion. And they were just bringing rules. One guy sat at the table with me one morning, and I hope I can take you on this journey. We're sitting at the table. I'm having breakfast. What? I'm 20 years of age. I'm 19 years of age. And he says, he says, brother, do you realize that you can make a choice between having God's judgment now or having God's judgment in the future? And I sat there thinking, ooh, I, I didn't know that. No, to be honest with you, I... I I was after becoming a Christian, I thought. He says, yes, you've got to make that choice. You've got to make that choice now. Do you want God's judgment on your life now? Or do you want it after you die? I go, but the guy was talking a bunch of baloney. I'm a Christian. I'm no longer under God's judgment. I've been set free through the blood of Jesus Christ. He took the judgment so that I wouldn't. 
But a guy was trying to stuff a religious rule down my throat and then we had all these religious rules and we feel nice and bad about ourselves as well, don't we, into the process. You're now a Christian, so you must pray every day. Now it's good to pray every day, amen? But you know what's not good? To beat yourself up because you don't pray every day. That's not good. The devil is delighted with all these discouraged Christians going around because I haven't read my Bible today. That's okay. You can read it tomorrow. Would anyone say? It's okay. Don't get yourself beaten up about it. I have this little religious rule. I'm going to be completely honest with you here. I like to read the Bible in one year. It's just one of those things that I do. I've been doing it for the last 10 years or so. I like to read through the entire Bible in one year. It doesn't make me a hero. It doesn't do anything. It takes 22 minutes a day. Not that I'm counting. It takes 22 minutes a day to read the Bible through in a whole year. So every now and again, over the past 10 years, I would have fallen a few days behind just because I was busy or lazy. I'm going to be telling you the truth. Busy or lazy, take your pick, or else there was just too much of a good show on Netflix, and for some reason I didn't read my Bible that day. I can't imagine why. Anyway... But I would have fallen behind three or four, five, sometimes six days. And then I would read the Bible to catch up with those six days. Now, if it takes 22 minutes to read one day, just on average, how, many ti- how, many day- hour- how much time does it take to read six days? Come on. Anybody? Any minutes? What's that? 132 minutes. God bless you, Ted. That was fast, by Jamie. There's no flies on you. No, that's 132 minutes. That has to be done religiously. Now, it's good to catch up, but it's good to give yourself a bit of grace as well. Amen? So I stopped doing that. If I lose a couple of days, it's all right. I'll get them another time. I just pick up where I left off. Amen? And it's the same for you, lads. We can get ourselves stuck in this and we can, begin to, we can begin to adopt some of the old rules and religious rules when Jesus never intended us to have religious rules. Would you hit me up the next sl- slide, please, Diana? And we end up being discouraged and our heads can go down. We lose more people through discouragement than through attack of the devil. I like what Matthew Henry said. He said, there may be overdoing in well-doing and such overdoing may prove our undoing by the subtlety of Satan. Christians who are overdoing it. Now, it's good to live rightly, of course, Amen. But then there's people, well, I'm going to give more. And they serve more. And especially, 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 especially if you're a young Christian, you have to know what it is that you're able and can give. It is so important. Because so many people, you know, my heart sinks. I met somebody about a year ago. They came to the church here, seemed to get on very well. A week after they were here in the church, experienced the meeting, encountered the Lord, and said, can I come and meet you? And I said, fantastic, I'd love to meet you. So I met the person, it was a Friday afternoon, and the person came in, and they had a notebook in their hand, and they said, I want you to tell me everything I have to do now that I'm a Christian. And they began to tell me about all the things that they had already given up. They'd stopped watching Game of Thrones. I haven't seen it myself, but she said, I'm not watching Game of Thrones anymore. I said, that's fantastic. But as the person went through the stuff that they were no longer doing, and wanted to know the list of the things that they were doing, my heart sank. And do you know why it sank? Because it was clear to me that this person did not understand the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not about doing. It's about being. It's about being. 
a Christian. It's about having that identity that we sang about a while ago. And my heart sank, and I've come across so many people in so many situations where this has happened, where people come in, become Christians, and then some well-meaning believer, and it's good to mean well for people, comes in and starts telling them what they could and should and shouldn't do. And from now on, no, because you're a Christian, there's no more smoking or cavorting or going to discos or stay out of the nightclubs and stay away from the bars and stay away from your man and stay away from your one and be honest and pay all your taxes and oh my sweetest, what did I become a Christian for in the first place? Let Jesus sort them out. Let God's word sort them out and sift them out. Of course, if they ask for help, of course. But don't be coming in with a load of religious rules. Because the choice is like this. It's like the choice between the new life and the old life. It's a choice. And this is what Jesus was saying. It's a new life or it's an old life. And this was it. It was a, Are you going to go the old way or are you going to go the new way? Now this will make sense to you now in a second, I hope. There's an old way and there's a new way. There is a... Um, there's an English theologian, and his name, would you click up the next slide for me, please? Charles Williams, English theologian around the time of C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien. He was a member of what they called the Inklings. And he was a theologian, and he described the Christian life as unfolding in three phases, okay? Now, the important thing is to understand. Just give me one second. No, no, hold on. Whoa, 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 whoa. Let's put up phase one first and then we'll do phase two. Is that okay? And this is going to make sense, I hope. He said the first phase of your life before you become a Christian is this. First, first, first line, please, Diana. Just give it a click. Just have a chat amongst yourselves while we figure out the technology here, lads. He said the first one was this. We have the old life in the old way. So once upon a time, you had your old life and you lived it in your old way. You did whatever you wanted. You didn't care. You weren't too worried about whether God was pleased. Or very often if other people were pleased with you. It was the old life. If you were jealous, you were jealous. If you were envious, you were envious. If you were angry, you were angry. If you were proud, you were proud. Immoral, immoral, drinking. Whatever, whatever your old life was. You did that old life in the old way. That's what he said. And he said the next phase of the Christian life. Is the old life. Or is the new life. In the old way. Will you give me the next one? No, I'll take my music. Thank you very much. Oh, thank you. Will you give us the music? Thank you very much. I'm going to give up on doing slideshows. Anybody know this song? Doctor and the Medics. Do you remember this song? Nice and loud, Otto. As late. Lay me to rest. I'm going door to door to the place that's the best. When they lay me down to die, going on up to the spirit in the sky. Going on up to the spirit in the sky. That's what I'm going to do. Just turn it down a bit. Will you drop it down to the background? I want to hear it, but just in the background. Oh, just forget it. Just forget it. Don't just give up. I just give up. Oh. I remember when I became a Christian. I became a Christian with a couple of other people. And when I became a Christian with a couple of other people, we liked to drink, we liked to smoke, and we liked to party. And we like to do other things as well, but they can't be mentioned on a microphone. We did lots of stuff. 
Well, we were Christians about six months. We'd come to this fantastic church of believers who loved Jesus and had no intention of sorting us out. They really were the most gracious bunch of people you've ever met. And they put up with stuff and things we said and things we did. I'd say they were going, these people cannot possibly be Christians. But we, we, we were Christians. And so about six months after we were saved, we were at a party in a nightclub. Oh, really? We were at a party in nightclub. And that song came on. Will you play the song, please? Please? I hope you can hear this in Cafe Church. So they're playing this song, right? And we're dancing on the floor. All these Christians. And lay me to rest. Fag in the hand. We were full of the joy of the Lord. Happy Christians. Going on up to the spirit in the sky. We danced, sweated, we drank. Hallelujah, we were Christians. And the song played and we celebrated. We're going to go to the place that's the best. And the more the song went on, the more full of spiritual zeal and energy we went. Hallelujah, we are Christians. Thank you, you can turn it off. Thank you. Let me make my point. No, 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 let me make it. Yes, a round of applause for the control room. Um, let me make my point. We were singing, we were drinking, we were smoking, we were Christian. We were Christian. We were living the new life in the old way. We didn't understand the new life and the new way. We had given up the old life and the old way because the old life we didn't care. We drank, we smoked, we cavorted, we fornicated, we did whatever we fancied doing and we didn't care. It was the old life and the old way. But now we had the new life but we were living it in the old way. So when you see a Christian on the dance floor singing, going up to the spirit in the sky, lads, you think I'm joking, but I'm being 100% serious. We were full of the joy of Jesus Christ. We just had our context kind of wrong. You know what I'm saying? We had our context wrong. But as you go on in your Christian life, you will begin to live the new life in the new way. In the new way. You see... And this is a continuum. These are not events. This is not, okay, two years are up. You must begin to live the new life in the new way now. It's not like that. This is a continuum. I guarantee you that there are people in this room who've been Christians for quite a long time. And sometime yesterday, the day before last week, you were living the new life, but in the old way. You were full of jealousy and anger, a rage, a pride, Agreed. Keep it going, Kay. Keep it going, sister. Just keep the list going. There's seven deadly. But I guarantee you that you are living the new life in the old way. I guarantee you there's people in Cafe Church who this week live the new life in the old way. It doesn't mean that they were abandoning their faith. It doesn't mean that there were any more Christians. It just means that they're on a journey, guys. That's all it means. It means the same for me. But as you go on, you begin to live the new life in the new way. And your thinking becomes changed. And your attitudes become changed. And things begin to transform inside you as you begin to live the new life in the new way. And what's more importantly, God has empowered you to live the new life in the new way. That's the difference. 
And for us as Christians, and this is so important, these disciples and Pharisees were coming to Jesus saying, it's got to be the old way and you're not fitting. And Jesus was saying to them, no, this is a new life and this is a new way. You can't sew it onto an old garment. You can't stick it into old wineskins. It's new life and it's a new way. And until we get it into our heads that we are changing, we're not all there. Hallelujah. I love when Paul says, not that I've attained all this. He certainly hadn't attained all the things that he wrote about. He hadn't got it all together. You don't have it all together. I don't have it all together. But you're being changed, brothers and sisters. You're being changed so long as you stay on that new life. You will walk in the new way eventually. Amen. So long as you let God affect you. And you stay in his word and listen to his wisdom. And listen to what he has to say about your life. Eventually you will notice you actually begin to think funny things. You begin to look at the news. And it's going through this Christian filter. Instead of the Christian going through the news filter. Do you know what I'm saying? We begin to see things going on. And you begin to read articles. And you begin to see programs. And suddenly a whole new framework and a whole new filter of faith. Begins, starts being put on the things that you're hearing and that you're seeing. And that then is the experience of the new life in the new way. Would you give me the next slide, please, Diana? So you have a choice today and you have a choice every day. Are you going to live with the old you or the new you? Which one is it going to be? Like when Paul says this, he says, Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Were we at the end of our journey when we were smoking fags and drinking pints and singing Spirit in the sky? We certainly were not at the end of our journey. But I tell you something, we were at the start of it. Hallelujah. And something really had changed inside in the people that I was dancing, the new Christians I danced with in that nightclub. Something substantial and real had happened in our lives and it's still being borne out today. And he's saying, throw it off though. Choose who you're going to put on. Are you going to carry, are you going to wear your own sinful nature? Are you going to put on Jesus? Are you going to put on the new nature that God has given you? Which one are you going to choose? Are you going to choose an old way or a new way? Because the old way is going to take you back down to religion. Mark my words. The new way is going to lead you towards life. Now for every one of us, I want to pray as we finish in a second, that we would choose to live the new life in the new way. The new life in the new way. I'm going to pray that we would put on Christ and take off our own sinful selves. That's not a bad prayer to pray, is it? But what's really important is this. I got a quote for you by guess who? Clive Staples Lewis. This is the last quote of the day. He says this. He says, your new real self will not come as long as you are looking for it. It will come when you are looking for him. And that's the difference between Christians, self-help groups, Religious organizations. See, whoever you are inside in this hall this morning, you may have come in looking for a what. You've come in looking for an it. I want a new life. I want a, I want a better marriage. I want better finances. I want a better church experience. I want a better pastor. I want a better preacher. God help you. You're looking for a What? But what you really need is a who. What you really need is a who. What you really need is an encounter with Jesus Christ. 
That's what you really need. And that new life that you crave, long for, and were made for will only happen when you're searching for him. Searching for Jesus. And that's why the writer to the Hebrews said, so let's throw off the sin that so easily entangles us and run the race that God has set before us with endurance, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. I danced, I smoked, I drank, I rejoiced in Jesus. And I know some of you, I'd say you are getting a dry throat thinking about how these things fit together. But brothers and sisters, they fit together. Because it was a new life, just the old way. But God has called us to a new life and a new way. And that new life is only found in the person of Jesus Christ. Will you stand with me? I'm going to ask the band to come up. We're going to pray. That's very kind of you, but we're still not finished. We're going to pray. We're going to sing um, a piece from the chorus and the bridge from the song we sang at the start, Hosanna. Because when we see you, we find strength to face the day. Because it's in the seeing Jesus. It's in the when we go looking for the who rather than the it. That's when we begin to change. That's what begins to transform our lives. Not pressure from the outside but life from the inside. And there's layers and layers and layers to go over more in this. The Bible is full of layers. We can't go much further this morning. But we're going to sing in a second. Because when we see you, we find strength to face the day. Now for some of you, this is going to be a very real prayer because it's live to you for this week. Maybe yesterday, maybe even this morning. You were living the new life, but in the old way. And our prayer this morning is, Lord, would you help me to live the new life in the new way? To have my attitudes, my behavior, the way I live, to have that affected by Jesus Christ. Will we pray that this morning? Because when, when we see you, we find strength to face day. And in your presence, all our fears are washed away. Because when we see you, because when we see you, we find strength to face today. Because in your presence, all our fears are washed away. to pray this morning and it's got to be kind of real for you lord will you help me to live the new life in the new way do you get it this morning do you get where i'm coming from this morning would you raise your hand if you want to say lord will you help me to live the new life in the new way hallelujah if your prayer this morning is to say lord help me to put on christ 
let me put on the new nature that you have given me and throw off the old nature let's pray Lord I thank you that you have not called us to a new religion you haven't called us to new observance you haven't called us to new rules but you've called us to new life Lord I thank you that we are already in the new life would anyone say amen Lord we pray that our new life would be lived more in the new way Lord we pray the old ways the jealousies the angers the outbursts of rage the frustrations the annoyances the prides the greeds Lord we pray that they would become less and less and that your new life of forgiveness and graciousness and kindness and love and faith would become more and more our reality Lord we pray Lord that no one would fall under condemnation by the devil in this room would anyone say amen Lord, we pray that we would realize that we are your great project, Lord. That we are your great work that's happening here on earth right now. And Lord, that we will never be changed from the outside in. But we will only ever be changed from the inside out. Lord, as we go into our week this week, and we take this new life with us, Lord, I pray that we would be looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith the one who started it and the one who finished it being confident of this as Paul said that he who began a good work in you will perform it until the coming of Jesus Christ may we give grace and get grace and live grace this coming week we pray thank you for your new life let us live it to the full in Jesus name and God's people said Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you this week. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you this week. May the Lord lift up the light of his countenance and give you his peace this week. In Jesus' name and God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless and go with you guys. Tea and coffee being served upstairs. If you want to stay with us for a while, remember we're not here. Tuesday night, see you next Sunday morning. Because when we see you, we find